Tales from the Break Room is a viewer submission podcast. If you have a terrifying story from work, send it to us at eeriecast.com submit so I can narrate it on the show. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Dead and Roasted. What can I get you? Mm-mm. You know what's even better than a hot cup of dead and roasted coffee? Human bones, apparently. Otherwise, why would the poor soul in one of today's stories have had their bones licked clean by something or someone? Yes, today's stories are quite disturbing. You might need a triple shot of ghoul espresso just to make it all the way through. I hope you had a great Halloween. It's my break time, so sit down, get comfy. These are tales from the break room. Children in the Night from Wolf. I used to work in a very expensive assisted living facility that also had a memory care unit for Alzheimer's and dementia residents as well. This place has been home to many famous people before they passed on, so out of respect for some of the families, all names will be changed. I've probably a dozen or so stories from my almost four years working at this facility relating to creepy or somewhat unsettling experiences. I'll start with a short and simple story. We have a resident who I'll call Mrs. A. I was sitting in my office on the third level when I heard a faint knock on my door. I opened the door to find Mrs. A standing there. This is the conversation that followed. I'm sorry to bother you, Oliver, but do you have a moment? She said, of course, Mrs. A. How may I be of assistance? Oh, I don't want to be a bother, but could you ask whoever is bringing children around to visit to please tell them to be quieter at night? I'm not sure what you mean. Can you explain what's going on? You see, for the last two nights around two in the morning, I've heard children running up and down the halls laughing. I don't mind children being here, but it's rather difficult for me to sleep with so much noise. Okay, I'll be sure to bring it up with the CNAs to remind residents that visitors are to be courteous to those who are sleeping. Thank you, Oliver. I don't think children should be up late playing either. It makes for bad sleeping habits in the future. You're right, Mrs. A. I'll get the CNAs shortly to let them know. Thank you again, Oliver. Sorry to bother you. Not a problem. Hopefully you'll be able to sleep well tonight. Now, I should also mention that my job was as a maintenance person, so I had access to the security cameras placed all around the facility. I decided to look at the cameras first before approaching the CNAs about this. I pulled up the previous nights between midnight to three in the morning, and what I found was shocking. Nothing. The only thing I saw was that between two and three in the morning, Mrs. A peeked out of her door and looked around the hallway. There was no one in the halls then. I looked over at six different angles to make sure that I didn't miss anything, but there was nothing. How strange, I thought to myself. I made my way down the elevator to the first level and into the CNA office to ask them about any late-night visitors the past few nights. 
They assured me that no one had been staying past visiting hours, which ended at 8pm. I then headed to the front desk, where the visitor sign-in and sign-out log was. And, sure enough, the last guest had left around 7pm. After some time thinking on it, I concluded that the noise was probably Reggie's TV. He always has his TV loud, because he's nearly deaf. It would be kind of odd for him to watch the same show back to back unless his memory is starting to fade. All in all, I brushed off the thought, which may have been a mistake. The very next day, Mrs. A was knocking on my door again, but she looked annoyed this time. Hello, Mrs. A, I talked to... She interrupted me. I thought you said you'd talk to the CNAs about late-night visitors. A little confused, I responded. I did, and I verified in the guest sign-in and sign-out book that no one had been here later than 7pm the other night. Mrs. A looked at me in a tone that looked displeased and said in a semi-sarcastic voice, Well, it didn't work, because the children were running around again last night. They were so loud, I'm not sure how my husband slept through all that noise. If you're not going to take care of this, then I will. At this point, Mrs. A walked away with a huff. I just sat there a minute, somewhat confused, then pulled up the cameras again, still finding nothing but Mrs. A looking out her door between 2 and 3 a.m. I wondered how long this back and forth would go on. It honestly worried me, because knowing Mrs. A's family, they had some serious pull at this facility. I wasn't worried about my job, more so about the repercussions that may come about by her throwing a fit. The following day, I was bracing myself for another lashing from Mrs. A at some point, and sure enough, just before lunch, there was a knock on my door. I opened it to find Mrs. A standing there smiling. Well, hello, Mrs. A. You seem to be having a good day. Why, yes, I am. Thank you. Do you know why? I haven't a clue, honestly. I slept through the night with no disturbances from kids laughing or playing in the hallways. Not a peep was heard. That's fantastic, Mrs. A. I'm glad you were able to sleep. She smiled and slowly walked away. The level of relief from seeing her so chipper cannot be described sufficiently but it was short-lived, so to speak. The day after that, I came into work and there was an ambulance parked out front of the facility. Not an unfamiliar sight, as residents fell sometimes and needed a little extra attention. I clocked in for work and started my usual rounds of the grounds, stopping at the CNA office to get an update of anything that I may have missed. The atmosphere in the office was glum, a few of the CNAs were crying, which naturally I asked, what happened? Amanda, one of the CNAs, looked at me and said, Mrs. A passed away this morning. I just kind of stood there for a minute, almost in disbelief. After gathering myself, I ventured up to my office. My boss was in my office already, looking at work orders for the day. Seeing me a little shaken up, he asked if I was okay. I told him about my experience with Mrs. A before she passed. Then he and I looked through the camera footage for anything, 
finding as usual nothing. Now, you may be thinking, oh, so what, someone thinks they heard children then died. I'd be right there with you, except this same thing happened five other times, and each time the person who heard the children laughing passed away within three days. Mrs. A was one of the first of over 200 residents who passed on while I worked at that facility. She was a kind lady and an honest hoot to talk to on occasion. I was blessed to have known her in my lifetime. This concludes the story. However, I do have many more where this came from. Lady in the Woodline From Safeside, Baldwin about seven or eight years back, I lived in a small country town in southern Missouri slash northern Arkansas. I worked in a neighboring town 30 minutes away. One morning around six, I was on my way to work. I had both windows of my truck down, just enjoying the beautiful morning weather, as one does when it cools off that time of year. Now, this is where the story gets strange. That morning was just like any other, Nothing too out of the ordinary, but running 55 to 60 miles an hour and spotting something off the highway was both strange and a challenge. You see, as I was passing the church outside of town, after climbing the last hill before entering the town limits, I spotted it, just out of the corner of my eye. Something white. It looked like someone standing at the tree line dressed in a long white dress. I only saw it out of the corner of my eye, and for an instant after turning my head to see what it was, the figure seemed to turn toward the woodline and vanished into thin air. At the time, it looked like it had run deeper into the woods nearby, but I could find no trace of the figure. For all intents and purposes, I thought I imagined it at the time, so I put it out of my mind. That was until I brought it up with my Mimi, my great aunt, a few years later. I told her everything that I remembered, right down to where I spotted that figure. She did little to quell what I figured I saw all those years ago. In fact, she blatantly told me I had seen a ghost alongside the road, heading into town. I asked her at the time who she suspected it might be. She told me in as many words, it could be one of your relatives that passed away not far from there. Either the great-great-great-great-aunt that drowned in the nearby creek when it flooded, or the other aunt that passed away from pneumonia. Either way, whoever it was, I looked into it deeper not long ago, and I found out that the Lady in White legend is one that's nearly as old as humanity itself, that nearly every culture has their own version of the Lady in White. My version is this story, not one that wanted to take me away or even beckon me to pull over and help, just one that watched me from the side of an old highway in northern Arkansas then vanished into the woods. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties, you play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. 
When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Warning. The following story contains detailed descriptions of a violent killing. Firefighter Findings from Firefly In the early 2000s, I was a firefighter paramedic for a larger metropolitan city. One night, unsure of the exact time, but I'm sure it woke me up so it was late enough, we got an unknown medical call. Down mail, no additional info available, is all we got over the radio. And of course, the response location was one of the crappier parts of the city. We pulled up to a dark apartment complex. When I say dark, I mean dark. There were no street lights, and this complex was 98% abandoned, so no ambient light from the apartments. To give a visual, think of four-story housing project buildings, side-by-side, side, making a C-shape around a parking lot. So we pull in, just the two of us in this unarmed ambulance, to find a woman in a minivan with three kids in it. She runs up to the medic and is frantic. My baby daddy is in there. She points to the darkest open doorway of a completely empty building. My partner hits the side spotlights of the medic that do almost nothing to penetrate the darkness. We look at each other and share a collective, nope, stare. I turned to the woman and I said, we're going to need some help. You can wait in your car with your kids and I'll come get you if we need you. She returned to her car and I looked at my partner. No, we're not going in there. Let's call for assistance. I picked up the radio. Medic 11. Dispatch, go ahead, Medic 11. Medic 11, we're going to need a suppression unit and police to our location. Dispatch, 10-4, Medic 11. I hear them call out to the firehouse closest to the location. They were there in three minutes. Same for the police, as it was the crappier part of town, so they seemed to always be nearby. In a matter of five minutes, the parking lot was full, five police cars and a fire truck. Now that there were nine to 12 additional persons and way more light from the fire truck, we headed in. I positioned myself in the middle of the group, lining up to head inside. Gotta let the folks with guns and vests lead the pack. We then headed up the stairs. Walking into this darkness was the worst, walking past open apartments that anyone could be hiding in, the air smelled of urine and human waste, broken glass crunched under our feet. Having to move broken down doors and other trash to get up the stairs. Finally, we made it to the third floor and we entered what appeared to be a drug den or party house. There were empty drug files, empty alcohol bottles, dirty needles, and other drug paraphernalia all over. On the other side of the room, we found the down mail AKA Baby Daddy. He was a lighter skinned young male on the couch, 
The condition of what was left of this man was something from a movie. He sat on an old couch with his arms and legs crossed. He was nude. He had what appeared to be cigarette or cigar burns on his chest, arms, legs, and face. His hands and feet were broken and severed, left hanging by a small sliver of skin, and the bones were still protruding from their original place. They were clean and white, as if an animal had licked them clean or something. He had bruising all over his body, as if he had been beaten severely. Finally, there was a bullet hole in his head. His body was clean, no blood on him anywhere, and none in the apartment, from what I could see. It was still just too dark. I'll never forget that call. I was shocked that the woman who called actually entered that building to find him in the first place. Also shocking was how this man had been tortured and left, positioned in this empty apartment. As a sign? A warning? I don't know. It was just crazy. The House-Sitting Stranger from Anonymous When my dad used to work as a UPS store manager, he got particularly close with this delivery driver named Mark. Mark soon became one of our close family friends. He told us this story at a house party about a year ago. I'll try to tell the story with as much detail as possible. Mark had worked as a driver for many years now. This supposedly happened when the previous manager was still working there. If I were to estimate, six or seven years ago. So Mark was on a routine delivery, driving packages to houses and asking people to sign for them. At one point, he approached the place of an acquaintance, someone who was a regular at the church Mark went to. His house was closer to the edge of the city, where the nearest neighbor was a couple of blocks away. Mark pulled into the driveway and took out the package. He then walked up to the door and rang the doorbell. At first, no one answered. Then, as he was about to leave, the door swung open. In the doorway stood this old greasy man who Mark had never seen before. He stood about five foot ten and wore a shirt with a coat that looked way too big for him. He wore jeans held up with a belt made with twine. All of his clothes were tattered and stained and the guy looked as if he hadn't slept in a decade. Mark was slightly taken aback by the sight of the guy, because the house was in a pretty well-off neighborhood. But Mark was a large man himself, and he was here to do his job, so he explained that he was here to deliver a package for the owner of the house. Let's call him Mr. O'Brien. He asked if O'Brien was there. The greasy man said in a raspy voice, fitting his character, that Mr. O'Brien was on vacation, that he was house-sitting for him. Mark recounted that when he opened his mouth to talk, he saw that he was missing most of his teeth, and the ones he did have were yellow and rotting out. It was at that moment that Mark also noticed a foul smell coming from the man, or perhaps coming from inside the house. The greasy man then asked if he could sign the package for Mr. O'Brien. Mark did not trust this guy and told him to tell Mr. O'Brien to come to the UPS store when he was back to retrieve the package. Then Mark went back to his truck and left rather hastily. By the time he was getting back into the truck, the old greasy guy was just grinning this awful, disgusting smile back at him. 
This encounter truly unsettled Mark quite a bit. He did the rest of his delivery route at lightning speed and returned to the store with a growing sense of unease settling into his stomach. He reported the incident to the then manager and they together decided to call the police to perform a welfare check or something at that address. The police called Mark again in an hour, confirming his suspicions. The man did in fact break into Mr. O'Brien's house, but no one was hurt because the family was in fact on vacation. While the house had been ransacked, the guy ended up escaping in one of Mr. O'Brien's vehicles. The police used Mark's description to assist in a citywide manhunt for the guy and eventually they caught him at a road blockade, still in that stolen vehicle. Turns out, that guy was Mr. O'Brien's former gardener who was fired after he was caught trying to steal expensive tools. Apparently, his wife had sued him for domestic abuse too and he was left financially crippled after paying many expensive fines and his criminal record left him unable to find a job. He had lied on his resume and became a gardener. I guess being cut off his last financial source sent him over the edge. So why so much fuss over a regular burglar, you might ask? Well, that's not all he did. This psycho had killed and mangled the corpse of Mr. O'Brien's dog in the middle of the living room. It was on full morbid display when the cops busted into the house and it had been there, probably only meters away from Mark, when he stood at that door. Our town is on the smaller side, and it was probably even less populated back then. But this event shook the town to its core. The story still floated around, but many people thought it was just an urban legend. I used to be one of those people, until I heard it straight from Mark. Mark was the prankster type, and I've never met Mr. O'Brien, the house it took place at was demolished before my family moved here, and the crazy guy supposedly died in prison. The former UPS store manager moved away shortly after selling off the store, and the names of the police officers who dealt with him were never released either. So yeah, I didn't believe it until I heard Mark tell the story himself. When he spoke about the incident, he showed no enjoyment or humor, just a slightly horrified expression. Mark had always been the type to own up to a prank or take credit for it, but he swears to this day that the event is true. Late Night Customer From Driver 83 AV This is a story from a former co-worker I worked with. He told me one day when he had a late shift, I'll call him Ross, and the other co-worker, Noah. I'll go ahead and tell the story from Ross's point of view. I work at an auto parts store. I was working late one night around 6.30pm. Sometimes, when it slows down or there's no one else in the store, we get ahead on some schoolwork. Anyway, we were getting ready to close down. I went ahead and told Noah that he could go home, that I would finish locking things up. He thanked me and told me to have a good night. Then he left. Before closing up, I wrapped up my schoolwork for the next day. Now, my house was only three blocks away from work, so I usually just walked home. Plus, I liked the nighttime. Walking home in the dark wasn't something I was scared of. I wrapped everything up around 7pm, turning off the computers in the place. Now, let me explain the layout a little bit. 
We have the front where people walk into the car parts store. There's the back room, which is past the registers. There's the computer area and a long hallway that has three rooms. Each room has shelves full of different car parts. When we locked up every night, we had to make sure every light was off, that every door was locked, and we had to walk to the end of the store checking each room one by one before exiting out the front. So I walked to the end of the store, checking each room until I got to room three. I then went outside to make sure the gate was locked and that all the company cars were locked. At this point, nothing seemed off. It just a typical night. I headed back inside, locking that door as I closed it. Then I walked over to the light switch in room three and turned off the lights in that room. As I turned around to walk down the hallway and to turn off the lights in room two, I suddenly felt weird. I felt as if someone was there with me, watching me. The room I was standing in was still fully lit with those bright white LED lights. I turned to my left and I was shocked. I saw a grown man about six feet tall standing there in all black at the end of the aisle, but there was something off. He appeared to be pure black just standing there, not moving about five feet away from me. I was paralyzed for a moment. How in the world did he get in? The gate in the back was locked, and I did not see him walk in through the front. When people enter, you hear them open the door to the store. Not to mention, I had just walked past that area to go outside and check the gate, and I hadn't seen anyone in that room or in the aisles. It was just me in the store. In fact, Noah had flipped the store sign to closed as he left. I then watched this strange figure look at me. I say look, but he had no face, none that I could make out anyway. He just looked like a black mass shaped like a man. Then he began to approach me. I jumped back, freaking out. In a panicked voice, I yelled out, No, please go away. This figure said nothing, walking closer to me, now only three feet away. It walked very slowly, as if I was its prey and it had trapped me in a corner. It was having fun with me, scaring me to death. Before what? I started to back up to the other end of the aisle. Then the lights above us began to flicker, and just like that, the figure was gone. I stood there in shock. Did I just imagine that whole thing? Then a loud voice echoed out of nowhere. Leave. I looked around everywhere, but I didn't find anyone there. However, that feeling of being watched remained. Quickly, I ran from room to room, turning off all the lights and locking up fast. I did the same with the front of the store and with the registers. After I turned off all the computers and packed up my backpack, I ran as fast as I could out of the front of the store with my backpack on, and I didn't stop until I made it to my house. I didn't even dare look back at the now darkened store. That's the end of Ross's story. Ross, by that point of telling me the story, looked so scared, like it had only just happened to him. He said he never stayed past closing time ever again after that, and he swears this story is true. Everyone who hears it thinks Ross is insane, but I believe him. He was honestly surprised I was the only one to believe him. I believe in the supernatural. To me, it sounds plausible. Plus, Ross's face and eyes as he told the story 
told me that he wasn't lying. I still work at that store myself, but thanks to my schedule, I don't work till closing like Ross did. I never saw that figure, and I don't want to. I don't know if that figure was a ghost or whatever, but I do know one thing. It's one late-night customer you don't want to deal with. The following story is an update to a previous story, which I read on Unexplained Encounters in the past, so I'm going to add the original first part of the story here, so that it all makes sense. Then I'll read the update. Horrible Night Shift Sounds From Edgar Allan I'm a water treatment plant operator in West Texas. I've worked the night shift for about eight years. The building I spend most of the night shift in was built in 1955. It has had several upgrades over the years, but many of the same components are original. In the basement, there are pipes, pumps, wiring conduits, and other such things. The building is built like a fortress, solid concrete floors and a flat concrete roof. The walls are cinder blocks, in other words, a very sturdy building. I do lab work, Tests on the water, such as chlorine content, pH and temp, alkalinity, at scheduled intervals, usually every four hours. I work from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. I have, over the years, heard strange sounds. Creaks, moans, bangs, pops, thuds, etc. I think it's just due to temperature changes during the day to night transition so I usually don't pay too much attention to them. But one night was different. I was going over some paperwork about 2 a.m. one night a few years ago. Everything was dead quiet. I'd like to mention that the street in front of the plant is not a well-traveled street, but there is moderate traffic at times. Also, there is a dip at the intersection in front of the plant. I've seen several unaware motorists go over the dip way too fast, and I've literally seen sparks come out from the bottom of their cars when they bottom out on the other side of the dip. Seems like people forget that the speed limit on the street is 30 miles per hour. They get reminded in an abrupt way when this happens. Anyway, on that particular night, I heard one of the loudest noises I've ever heard while working nights. It sounded exactly like a vehicle crashing into the building. I heard glass breaking, tires screeching, metal breaking. I jumped up, grabbed my cell phone, and was headed towards the front doors ready to dial 911. I opened the doors expecting to see a horrible scene. To my amazement, there was nothing. I mean nothing. No crashed car, no people, no sounds. I was astounded. I ran around the side of the building thinking that the car had just glanced off the building and kept going. But there were no marks on the road or any indication that anything out of the ordinary had happened. I just stood there for a few minutes, thinking I must have been losing my mind. I don't know how I would have mistaken that sound for a car crashing into the building. 
I didn't know what else to do but put the matter behind me and continue to work. I haven't heard the noise again, and I hope I don't. An interesting thing I noticed a few days later is that there is a fairly large piece of concrete missing from the foundation of the building on the outside corner where I heard the noise. The only thing is, it's been painted over years ago. The damage isn't in any way fresh or new. But could I have heard a residual noise stuck in time from an accident that happened years ago? What would have made me the only one that heard it? There are houses across the street. Seems like someone else would have heard it too, but no one ever came out. It was very strange indeed. Part 2. More Strange Happenings at the Water Treatment Plant I was at work one night. It was very busy because of plant upgrades and booster station renovations. I had to check pump operations at our north booster station slash pump house, so I was back and forth between the main plant and the station several times that night. I entered the main plant building around 10.30pm after making my rounds. During my night shifts, I always keep all the doors locked. I don't want any surprises. I've heard stories from other plant operators about people wandering in the building at night, so I try to avoid that situation. In actuality, we're not open to the public. Authorized personnel only is what it says on the front door. Anyway, I walked through our front lobby and into the main office. There's a small set of stairs up to the office. There's a utility closet right before you get to the office, and when I walked by it, the light inside turned on. I could see it under the door. I was a little confused at first, because the light inside the utility closet is motion activated. I thought for a moment I might have an unwanted visitor, and he ducked into the closet when he heard me come in. So I opened the closet door halfway, expecting to find someone inside. But no, there was nothing at all. There were two big electrical boxes in there and the communication server, but no people. Nothing that can move or cause the sensor to activate the light either. I thought that maybe it was a defective light sensor, maybe an electrical issue, or something like that. I didn't worry about it too much. I had a lot of things to do that night. Although it did seem very strange that the light came on just as I walked by that closet. I got back to work. We have a huge monitor mounted on the wall in the main office. It's connected to a PC that has a program in it that communicates with all the water towers, ground storage tanks, pumps, and motors for the town. As part of my nightly duties, I take readings off the monitor and write them down on a log sheet. I was doing just that when I heard a very loud noise coming from our shop and work area. Our shop is the room right next to the main office. I actually had the door open going from the main office to the shop. This noise I'd heard sounded like a bag of bolts or maybe even tools falling off a workbench. It was very loud. I thought, okay, there's definitely someone in here with me. Right away, I went into the shop area and looked for what could have fallen down. I didn't see anything out of order though. There were many things in the shop, such as bins of supplies, pipes, valves, bolts, screws, fittings, etc. I thought someone knocked something over and then ran out, but I didn't see them come through the open doorway. 
and I never heard them open the door leading to the outside of the building. I checked everything and everywhere in the shop. I couldn't find anything that could have made that noise. The longer I work at this plant, the more I think there may be paranormal activity here. I was a little shaken up after this, so much so that I took holy water and sprinkled it around the shop, saying the Lord's Prayer. I plan on working here until retirement. As unnerving as these things are, I'm not going anywhere. I'll keep you all informed if anything else happens. Tales from the Break Room is a viewer-submitted podcast featuring allegedly true scary stories that happened on the way to, on the way from, or at work. If you want your story to be narrated on the show, send it to us at eeriecast.com submit. As of April 14th, we're paying three cents per word for stories that are approved and make it onto the show. Submission does not guarantee approval or payment. For a limited time only, PayPal only. Tales from the Break Room is an EerieCast Network original podcast hosted by Darkness Prevails. You can follow him on Twitter at Dark Prevails, and you can hear thousands more stories read by him on our other show, Unexplained Encounters. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow and rate Tales from the Break Room on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also enjoy plenty more horror-themed podcasts at EerieCast.com.